Amen? So I want to jump into the Word this morning, and I want to start with a question. Have any of you ever seen a greyhound race? Yeah, greyhound races are a little different than horse races. Horse races, there's a jockey, right? A jockey sits on the horse, they go off, and they start, and they, and they start going. And as a little kid, my dad used to take me to go to the greyhound races. Now, before you look and say, oh, my God, pastor, well, I'm going to go through a few things. Number one, we weren't Christian at that point in time. Oh, there's nothing wrong with going to a greyhound race, if you know, thing. the betting, you know, that gets into the murky waters. But there was one day a week over at Flagger Dog Track that was what they, it was their practice day for the dogs. And people were allowed to take their children because it wasn't a betting day. It wasn't a thing where there was all this stuff taking place. And so one of the things my dad would do is, do you remember that? You would take us over and, and we would watch and we would pick. I'm going for the green dog or, the, or we'd, we'd pick and we'd do all this stuff. And these greyhounds, they, they, they're all in their, in, in, in their starting gate. And they sound the gun, they sound the alarm, they open the doors, and they chase down the track, and they're chasing a mechanical hare, a mechanical rabbit. Now, you may ask the question, well, why do they chase a mechanical rabbit? And so they're, they're actually playing into the fact that innately dogs like to chase. I mean, if any, any of you here have a dog, they chase stuff. The squirrel, the cat, the kid, the mailman, right? They chase stuff. Innately, dogs like to chase. And so they go into, the, they feed off of that. And they try to have the dogs chase this mechanical hare. And they go all the way around and, and, and it's spinning. And they go and they try to pursue it. But all they're doing is going around a track, unable to catch something that is fake. I can just imagine for a second, just bear with me for a second. You imagine the dogs, they're in the pen in the back after. It's like, rf, 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 rf. I almost got it this time. Yeah, at the 4.30, I might get it. You know, like, like they're talking to each other like, I was so close. Because they can accelerate the hair. They can decrease the speed of the hair. They can manipulate it in its speed for the pursuit of this dog to chase it. And it leads me then to ask this question to you this morning, okay? What are we pursuing? I looked up the word pursuit. I, I like dictionaries. I like definitions. It's the educator in me. And the word pursuit is this, the action of following or pursuing someone or something. One more time. Pursuit means the action of following or pursuing someone or something. Now, when I was a classroom teacher, when my kids would look up a word and give me a definition and use the same word in the definition I had a problem with. It's like you can't use the word to define the word. So being a thorough person, I looked up the word pursue. And so pursue means follow someone or something in order to catch them. There is no essence of purpose in pursuing without the intention of catching. You don't pursue that which you don't want to catch. Right? You remember when you were single and you thought there was a good, I was like, well, I didn't pursue her if I didn't have any interest in her. I'm just asking on a date randomly. No, I'm going to pursue who I intended to try to catch, right? You don't pursue or chase after what there's no intention. And pursuing of things, and I get back to the question is, what are we trying to pursue? Because some of us are pursuing the wrong things in life. We're pursuing, if we're single, we're pursuing the spouse. 
We're married, now we're pursuing the children. We, we, we're, we, we live in a rental place, we're pursuing a buying our own property. We move into it, now I'm pursuing the bigger one. I'm pursuing the corner office. I'm pursuing my promotion. I'm pursuing this. And we're living in a constant state of pursuit. And the question is, again, what are we pursuing? What is it that we're pursuing? And, and, and I want to give you a little caveat here. None of those things that I'm talking about people pursuing are wrong in the essence of what it is. If you're single and you're desiring to find that man of God or woman of God for your life, there's nothing wrong with that. If you're married and you're at the time to have children, there's nothing wrong with desiring and pursuing that of having the children. Buying your property and paying it off, there's nothing wrong with that. Wanting to do well in your workplace, go to college, get a, another certification, another thing to be able to do better in your craft. There's nothing wrong with that. The question I have is why are you doing it? What is the focus of the pursuit? Because if the focus of the pursuit in your life is the mechanical running hair, you're never going to catch it. And if you do, you're going to realize it was fake. Let's see what the word of God says. Go to Matthew. Matthew chapter 6. Starting in verse number 25, it says this, Therefore I say to you, this is Jesus talking, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now pause there for a second. Pursuing the wrong thing leads you into worry and anxiety. Let's backtrack for one second. I'm pursuing the spouse, and that was I did everything about my life to try to get that person to like me, to get that person. And then I'm always anxious and worried about if something changes, are they going to leave me? I, 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 I pursued with everything to get this promotion, and I'm always so worried and afraid that if I go with my shoelace untied, they're going to demote me. It brings worry and it brings anxiety. Not only is pursuing the wrong thing something that will bring you worry and anxiety, pursuing the wrong thing will have you running in circles just like that greyhound, never attaining or never reaching. So Jesus starts this passage by saying, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, drink, wear. Life is more than the body, more than clothing. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Have you ever had to clean out a bird's nest? We bought our house, uh, it's about 11 years ago, actually now in, in a few, no, just, we just celebrated 11 years that we closed on our house. And um, we had a terrace in the backyard and in that terrace, right in the middle of it, there was a, a spot that a light fixture was supposed to be at. And when we bought the house, there was no light fixture there. And um, it was all like concrete, different stuff, so you really couldn't work at it too much. And, and I never sealed it. And um, we've been, we were living in the house for about five years, and we start an addition that we were doing to the house. And part of that process, we, we closed off that terrace, and then we knocked down the ceiling that was there, the, 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 the sheetrock, and that wasn't sheetrock, it was actually, it was wire mesh with concrete. 
remember you came to help me one day, Ralph, and we were like banging on this concrete, knocking it down. Let me tell you, when we got to the spot where that hole had been for years without a covering, there was about two garbage bags, big black garbage bags that I filled with feathers, twigs, leaves, branches, you name it. That bird had created an entire area. And that bird had no job. That bird had no bank account. That bird didn't go farming. That bird was taken care of by the innate being that God taught him how to find the twigs and find the things and fly back to the hole that I never covered and filled it. Jesus is looking at the disciples and he's talking to us today and he says, look at the birds. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into bars, yet your heavenly father feeds them. And look at this sentence. Are you not of more value? Can I tell you that you're valuable? That God created you, put a purpose in you, put a call upon your life. You're valuable. And Jesus is saying, what are you pursuing? Because if you're pursuing everything else, there's going to be a problem. So he continues to say, because Jesus was a master teacher, right? And he breaks it down. Verse 27, which of you by worrying can add a cubit to his stature? Do you, so why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, not even Solomon in all his glory was arrayed like one of those. I caught it. Good reflexes. And have you ever driven down the turnpike towards the airport? There's this huge grass area there. Every single year, as we get into the time of rains in April, mid-May, that whole entire grass area is filled with all these wildflowers. Again, they don't prepare it. Nobody goes to plant seeds there. Nothing's taking place, and they grow God takes care of it, sends the morning and evening rains, right? Jesus says, not even, oh, sorry, I caught it, but in a different passage. Why do you worry? Not even Solomon was arrayed like these beautiful lilies in fields. Verse 30, now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow the guy passes by with a lawn tractor and cuts it down, right? Will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now let's pause there for a second. Because as we read that, if we read it in human understanding, we can say, why is God correcting these disciples? Why is he talking to us and saying, he's telling us we have little faith. That means we must have more faith in order to please God. But the reality is, little faith faith means faith that wavers, It's a wavering faith. It's the same thing that Jesus said to the disciples when they were in the boat and he was fast asleep on a pillow. There was a big storm and they go and they wake him up and it's like, Jesus, we're sinking. And he gets up. He he, he tells the wind to stop. The storm goes away. He looks at the disciples and is like, oh, you have little faith, right? Not a lack of faith but a faith that wavered in that instance. They had just come from Jesus multiplying a few fish and a few bread to feed over 5,000 men plus women and children. 
and they're freaking out because of a storm. And here he's saying, don't freak out about this stuff. Don't let your faith waver. Don't go by what you're seeing. Because faith doesn't go by what we see in the natural. Can I tell you something? If you can attain it on your own, it doesn't need faith. Faith is supernatural. It's believing for what is unseen. We see another passage in the book of Luke when the disciples tell Jesus, give us more faith. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, here, let me give you more faith. I talked about this with our, our, our uh, small group leaders on Wednesday night. We had our impartation night since our small group term just ended. And, and I always take a night to just pour into our leaders. And I talked to them about that little faith or that asking for more faith. Jesus doesn't say, here you go, more faith. He answers by saying, if you've got faith like a mustard seed, you can tell the mulberry tree, get up and walk into the sea, and it would. In other words, Jesus said this, you don't need more faith, you need to apply what you have. So the question is, are we applying the faith we've been given? Faith is a muscle that we work out. Sergio and I have the same amount of muscles, he just uses his more, more than I do. <laughs> So it's not about more, it's about starting to use. It's about the application of your faith. So, oh man, some of us, we know all the formulas, but we don't know how to apply it. I remember taking geometry and taking all these different advanced maths and stuff like that in high school and in college, and you could memorize the formula, but if you didn't know how to plug it in, it was as good as nothing. Faith is about applying. So then he continues to say, therefore, don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. God knows that you need it. And then verse 33, anybody who's been a Christian for a minute has heard this verse, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Now let's go back to verse 32 for a second. After all these things the Gentiles seek, but your heavenly Father knows that you need it. How many of you know that God knows what you need, and sometimes what you need is not what you want? Abigail would eat pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner if I let her. Abigail, what do you want to eat, pizza? But you had pizza yesterday. I want pizza. Can you, you, you need some broccoli and some greens. <laughs> you just reminded me of a little kid song. Do you want pizza? Da, 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 pizza? And then it says, do you want broccoli? Do you want broccoli pizza? Ew, no, man, I want broccoli on pizza. I know what she wants, but I also know what she needs. And I'm going to give her what she needs. And many times, if what she wants aligns, she'll get that too. So Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else will be added on. The book of Psalms says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will grant you the desires of your heart. So what is it when we're pursuing the wrong thing? Run in circles. When we're pursuing the wrong thing, we're full of worry, we're full of anxiety, 
But when we pursue God first, he takes care of the rest. Your needs and even your wants. I was sharing with a couple of you uh, last Sunday, I, I was talking, I think, to Adi after service. And um, if you don't know, I, I like sports. Wasn't very good at playing them, but I like them. <laughs> and uh, in my car, I'm usually listening to one of three things. I'm either listening to some passage that I had read that morning or whatever on my Bible app, just hearing it again. I'm listening to a worship playlist on my Amazon Music, right? People ask, oh, did you hear this song? I was like, man, I don't listen to K-Love. I, I, I listen to, I just, I'm a, a chronic song repeater, so if I got one, like I'm going to jam to it until I hear the worship team do another one that rocked me, and then I'll go listen to that one, right? Um, or my wife will be like, have you heard this song? And, and, or I listen to Sports Talk Radio. And so I was driving home, not this past Wednesday, the Wednesday before, I'm driving home, it's about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, something, something around that time. I'm driving home, and I'm listening to Sports Talk Radio, and uh, I hear the announcer say, tomorrow is the Marlins home opener. Go out and support your Marlins, and this, that, or the other. And being a baseball fan who had not gone to a game in a few years, COVID year, right? There was no fans in the thing, and last year just didn't happen. I actually, as I was driving, I didn't even really pray. I, I, I did talk to God. I did say God, but like, it wasn't like an intense, like, let me stop and pray. It was like, I was like God, I, I'd like to go to the game tomorrow. And I was like, maybe when I get home, I'll, I'll look up tickets and see what, what they are, right? But it's a home opener, home opener, some, you know, sells out, even if the team's no good or whatever the case may be. So I get home, didn't say anything to anybody. We're having dinner. It's about two hours, three hours later, sometime like that. And I get a text message from Helen. Helen sent me a text message. She sent a text message. She was like, I got four tickets to tomorrow's game. and My son's wife can't go. Do you maybe want to go with Patty or go on a date with one of your girls? You guys know, I say it all the time, I go on dates with my daughters. I take them on dates uh, individual times. So she, she knows that she has to maybe go on dates with one of your daughters. So I, I looked at Patty, I was like, I just pray, I want to go to the game. She's like, are we good? Are we have anything tomorrow? She's like, yeah, go. I was like, do you want to go or do I take one of the girls? She's like, no, go on a date with one of the girls. Last time I, I, I did a sporting event game, I had taken Abigail, who's my oldest. So I told Alexander, I was like, Alexander, do you want to go on a date with that to the morning's game tomorrow? She was like, sure. Awesome. So we made the plan. She picked out her jersey in the morning. She did all the different stuff. I picked her up from school. I took her home. I braided her hair. I did all her, you know, got her all ready to go. I do a massive good braid, just saying. But anyways, I have three girls, so I've had to learn how to braid hair. Um, and we left. Went to the game. But our God doesn't just grant you desires of your heart. Doesn't just know what you need, because I, I needed some time with her. She needed some time. But he goes exceedingly and above and abundantly, right? So we get to the stadium, and it wasn't just seats. It was a suite right behind home plate with all-you-can-eat barbecue pulled pork and hot dogs and water bottles and all the different stuff. And so we walk in, and I was like, okay. Thank you, Jesus. I got to talk in my car more often, right? Like, guys, what am I trying to get at you? God knows what you want. God knows what you need. But if you pursue him above everything first, he'll take care of it. But if you pursue what you want or need above God, even when you catch it, it won't fulfill you. Can I tell you, pursuing the wrong thing even if you catch it, brings zero fulfillment. 
Listen, I'm not a dog trainer, so don't quote me on this, but I, I researched, I read three articles that said that when a greyhound actually catches the rabbit, the hare, and realizes it's not real very quickly, they never race the same way again. Because what they always sought after wasn't real. As a matter of fact, when you go home, Google search, greyhound catching mechanical rabbit. There's a few videos out there, how the, one of the thing, and all of a sudden, all the dogs stop, and they start chewing on this fake bunny. It's like a stuffed animal on a bar, right? And they start chewing on it. And all of a sudden, they just like look around each other like, dude, that was fake. And they never race again, right? Why then, as believers and as Christians, do we pursue the fake stuff? We realize we need God first, but we go back and chase the spinning our wheels over and over again. Over and over. What are we pursuing? Because what we actively pursue will determine the life we live. I got to say that one more time. What we actively pursue determines the life we live. Are we living a life full of anxiety or worry, or are we living a life of peace? It's going to be determined on what you're pursuing. Are you living a life full of faith and belief, or are you living a life full of doubt? It's going to be based on what you're pursuing. Are you living a life of just always wanting more, more, more? It's never enough. Or are you living a life that's full of contentment? It's all dependent on what we're pursuing. And we must realign our pursuit to pursue God first and then everything else. What does Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 says? Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 and 2. It tells us, if then you were raised with Christ, seek, chase, Pursue those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things which are above, not on the things of earth. I want to big image this. Go reverse here a second. There's nothing wrong with desiring to pay off your house so that you can live a good retirement and not having to work greeting people at Walmart at 97 years old. There's nothing wrong with desiring to meet your spouse if you're single. There's nothing wrong with desiring to have your children. There's nothing wrong with these things. But when those things and those desires replace the pursuit of God, we're left spinning our wheels and running in circles. I, 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 I like race cars and race car driving. Not the driving part, I like watching it. Although there was a season where I got rid of my sports car because I was probably going to kill myself, so... Um, anyways, I've never seen a driver get to the pit stop, take off his Hans device that supports his neck, take off the belt, and get out of the car to change the wheel. Because if they did that, every other car would lap them a dozen times before they could get back strapped in, put the helmet back on, and keep going on the race. We can't live life alone. We can't do it on our own. And we have to ensure that our pursuit is the pursuit of God. If you've ever been in a car or driving your car and you let go of the steering wheel for a second and it veers to the side, that is an indicator that your tires need aligning. And not any mechanic can align tires. You need special equipment. You need special knowledge in order to be able to align the wheels to face the right way continually. Can I tell you, God is the master mechanic. 
He's got the tools, he's got the equipment, and he's got the resources, the desire, the know-how, and when we surrender to him first, he will align it. He will take care of what you need and even what you want, but we need to align our pursuit to pursue him first. One more time, pursue God first, and he'll take care of everything else. Pastor, that sounds so simple. There wasn't this whole huge difficult thing. But you know that the most things with God are simple? You can't earn your salvation. It's in faith and faith alone because Jesus is the one that paid the price. We complicate things based on what we think, what we believe, our past, our things, being upset with one another, whatever. We complicate all these things, but the things with God are simple. Put me first. I'm going to take care of you, bubble. I got you. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. But what do we tend to do as human beings? We put our eye on a man, right? This hit me so hard over the last few days in my Bible reading. Uh, if you're doing the Bible in a year, you were finishing Ju um, Joshua and entering Judges, right? And as you enter the book of Judges, I mean, it just smacks you right in the face right there. Chapters 1, 2, and 3. When Joshua dies and all the out elders that outlive Joshua... The children of Israel deviate and walk away. You know what that told me? They were following a man who followed God instead of following God. They followed a man who followed God instead of following God. So why or what happened when the person wasn't there anymore? I fell back to the old things. So who's got to be our main focus? It's Jesus. I'm not perfect. I try hard to lead well and pastor well, but I'm not perfect. I know I've hurt people probably. I can admit it. Don't put your eyes on me. I'm following Jesus as best as I can. And I'm going to lead you to follow him the best that you can. But you need to put him first in your life. I can't do it for you. You need to. I need to. And as we follow him with all that we have, he takes care of the rest. Provide what you need. Give what you need. Open the doors you need. Pursue him first. He will take care of the rest. Come on, church, let's stand to our feet this morning. I want you right there where you are just to close your eyes and bow your heads for a minute. I want to pray for you. And God, we come together this morning. Those here in the building corporately and those that we're connected to digitally through our online campus, we stand in agreement right now. First and foremost, God, I'm sorry for the times that we've put other things in your place. Lord, I'm sorry for the times that I've run around the racetrack pursuing a mechanical fake rabbit instead of pursuing you. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for your restoration. And I thank you, Father God, for the work that you are doing in me and every person that is here for we're pursuing you. God, I ask you, help us to walk in the daily pursuit of you. Father, that we 
may make room for you in our daily life. Lord, that in the same way that we won't leave our house without our phone or our wallet or this or that, Father, that we will not leave without talking to you, that we will not start our day without giving it to you and pursuing you first, for then you take care of everything else. We thank you, Father God, for the pursuit. And I declare that as we are wired to pursue, we will pursue you first, knowing that you know what we need, even what we want. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, with every eye closed, I don't want to move forward without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. It's not complicated. The Bible says... For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also recounts that if you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, you shall be saved. So it's not a prayer that saves you. It's the belief in what you're saying of who Jesus is and what he did. So there's three pockets of people. They're the ones that have made Jesus the Lord of their life. There's the ones that have made him the Lord of the life, but circumstance, situation has caused them to walk away, has caused them to pursue other things. And perhaps today you say, I want to get right with God. And there's a pocket of people who have never surrendered their life to Jesus. If today you say, I'm ready. I want to give my life to God. I want to get right with God. I want you to say this prayer with me, believing. And again, it's not the prayer. It's the belief of what Jesus did. It's the faith of receiving it. So if that's you, just pray this prayer with me, church. We'll pray it together. Say, God, I'm a sinner and on my own, I cannot get to you. But I believe Jesus is your son. He came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, and rose from the grave to pay the price for my sin. So today, I ask Jesus, come and live in my life. Come and live in my heart. Write my name in the book of life. And from now on, God, I'm yours. And you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, just lift your voice to him.